I don't know how to make the transition here, but how many of y'all like bragging? I'm in. You in? All right. I, I tell you what, I am, you know, as a baseball coach, there's probably one thing that I cannot stand is the kids that got their own little, you know, dances whenever they do something that they're supposed to be doing. But anyways, I can't stand the professional athletes that got the dance and they run down to the camp. The NFL's even created a camera now so the guys can run down there. And I don't know what this thing, when they line up and they're in the boat together, I think that, okay, that, all right, okay. You know, everything changed back in the, in the mid 60s, especially athletically, uh, by one man. Uh, and love him or hate him, I tell you what, I think he's the GOAT. I really do. Uh, and I'm not a big prize fighter guy. I don't watch a lot of uh, boxing and MMA is just modern day gladiator. You kind of watch it a little bit though, but it is. Uh, but Muhammad Ali, and you all will know this, he changed and turned boasting into an incredible art form. Art form. There is uh, a picture of him that stands over Sonny Liston. Muhammad Ali goes in in 1964 and not only defeats, but knocks out the unbeatable Sonny Liston. And he stands over him in a very proud way. In that after fight interview, he begins to boast about himself and he says that I am the greatest and that I am the king of the world. How many of us like to boast about ourselves? Maybe not too many of us will say that we're the king of the world. Not too many of us would honestly say that we are the greatest, but there's other areas in our life in which we can be very arrogant and we can be very boastful about ourselves. And you know, this whole idea of boasting, it's all about vanity and it's all about me. And it's me projecting this great strength that I have to everybody comes, that I come in contact with because weakness, to be honest with you, is not something that's attractive. And so we spend our life trying to build up these false personas of who we are and we build ourselves up in such a high pedestal that eventually there will be a toppling down. Now there's a story and in looking at this, and many of you have probably heard about this, but Muhammad Ali's on an airplane and a flight attendant, as she's walking through, as they make us do this, which makes no sense to me, uh, that we gotta wear a seatbelt because the plane crashes. I, yeah, there's nothing left. Yeah, but all right. But they're going through takeoff or about ready to take off and the flight attendant comes by. You guys have heard this. Uh, Mr. Ali, I need for you to put your seatbelt on. And he goes, Superman don't need a seatbelt. I can only imagine now, this is, if this is true, I can see her just walking by. Superman don't need an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> now, as I've heard it said before, don't let truth ever get in the way of a really good story, okay? Again, I don't know if that's true or not, but it is an example of when we get really arrogant of how things can happen. Proverbs remind, reminds us of this fact that pride goes before destruction and that a haughty spirit before a fall. 
1 Samuel 15 reminds us that this idea of arrogance and self-promotion and vanity and all of these things, that they are like the evil of idolatry. Think about that. I am when I am saying that I am the man, that you are the man, that when we start acting in those ways, we are placing ourselves above others, but even above God. And we begin to worship self rather than the creator of the universe. When we're going to look here in just a moment in 2 Corinthians, we're going to see how Paul is going to totally turn this upside down. And this is the paradox of all of this. But it's amazing to me how even knowing that arrogance can bring about fall, because I want you to know it's not a matter of can, it's a matter of will, or it's a matter of when. When we place ourselves in such a high position, we are setting ourselves up for a fall. And a fall from that height will always be damaging. It'll be damaging physically, it'll be damaging psychologically, and most of all, it will be damaging spiritually. The reality is that there will always, at some point in our life, we will not be enough on our own. There will always be somebody that will be smarter, that will be prettier, that will be more athletic, that will have more money, will have more influence. It's just bound to happen. Athletes, at the moment, they're living their greatest life. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the season, their contract isn't renewed. And they're told that your services are no longer needed. If all I've built on is me, my life comes crashing down. There's at some point for all of us, we come to the end of ourselves. Todd Pierpoint, one of our elders here, I was, I was uh, needed to do some things on the roof of our house. And the way our house is, we've got a, a, a front porch and there's a roof that falls over that and then there is our second story and then there's the roof there, okay? And I need to get on that second roof. And this is why women live longer than men, all right? Amen. I had the ladder officially jerry-rigged to the house. Uh, yeah, this won't fall, this will be great, okay? And so I'm climbing up the ladder and I get to the, the top roof and I'm like, okay, I need one more step on the ladder and then I'm just gonna step onto the roof. For the first time in my life, I realized I had an issue with height when my left foot wouldn't leave the ladder. I'm like, okay, ready, here we go, here we go, here we go. And I'm like, I can't do this. So I climbed down, unhooked my ladder from, oh, it was, I would have died, I would have died. But anyways, I called Todd and I said, listen, I, for some reason, I can't get on my roof. I don't know what it is. It's not because I'm weak. No, it's just I can't get up there. And uh, uh, he goes, listen, John, at your age, a ladder becomes, at your age, really? 
At your age, a ladder becomes a game changer. If you fall off of that, everything in your life changes. I got young guys that can do that, that if they fall, they bounce. So it's all right. <laughs> That's that idea of falling. And the higher I put myself up, the more damage I can do when the reality of my weakness really plays out. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, if you know anything about these, first, these, these two books of Corinthians, the church at Corinth, they're a bit of a, well, they're a, bit of a train wreck, all right? And he's having to do a number of instructions and he's having to do a number of disciplines within that church and he's pointing some things out that they are like, you guys are doing this wrong, you all are putting yourself above Jesus and you are allowing to put others almost in the place of Jesus and you're setting yourself up for a fall. In 2 Corinthians, he calls these people that are coming and preaching and falsely preaching, he calls them very tongue-in-cheek super apostles. I wanted to do like a, a picture of some, you know, like me with a, with a, a, a cape on not a super apostle, but all of these guys, they checked all the boxes for the people at Corinth that they were better looking than Paul. Than Paul. They were better speakers than Paul. And say so they were boasting about not only themselves, but they were boasting about these super apostles. And Paul's like, no, 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 you're missing the point. Now, Think about this. When you think of Paul, the apostle, what is your picture of him? Do you see him as a, maybe a, a five, ten, six-foot guy, kind of strong, maybe a little aged? The reality is that Paul was probably about five-foot six. He was hunched over, he was bow-legged. He had a big old crook of a nose. And he actually wasn't that good of a speaker. But he didn't rely on his own strengths. And so they've got all these super apostles in Corinth that are boasting about themselves. And so Paul says, okay, if you want to boast, I can boast, but it's foolishness. Because what I'm doing is I'm saying that I am more important and that I did all of this. And when we put the I in front of that, we remove Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul goes, okay, I'll play your game. You want me to boast? Here are the things that he could have boasted about, but he chose not to. I'm in 11, starting in verse uh, 22. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool, he says. I also dare to boast about. You ready? Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Again, he's talking about these super apostles. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? Man, I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Just a little side note, do the quick math here. On his body, 
He bore the scars of 195 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones, and I would say, left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. This is before life vests. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in dangers from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have, gone, and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked and beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I don't feel weak? Who's led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? These are the things that Paul could have boasted about. But in doing that, it would have been very easy for him to say, look what I did, look what I overcame. And take Jesus completely out of the equation. It would be easy to go, look at me. And we're reminded in 1 Samuel 16 that God doesn't look at the outward appearance of man. He looks at the heart. The heart and what comes from the heart is what comes out of our mouth, Jesus tells us. What comes from our heart displays who we believe in. What comes from our heart will display who we know has power. And so what Jesus, or what Paul does is he brings us full circle back in verses, in chapter 12 and verses seven through 10. And you all are familiar with this. Many of you are gonna be very familiar with this passage because Paul's gonna talk about this thorn in his flesh. See, all these things that went before, it would be easy to say, hey, listen, look what I did. Mm, 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 look what I did. That was my best impression of LeBron. And I guarantee you my son's gonna go, don't ever do that again. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse seven. Therefore, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pled with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. This is the paradox of this. This is the paradox between strength and weakness. It is a seemingly contradictory statement for us to believe, but when we, upon further investigation, reveals a proud, profound truth to us. Are you ready for this truth? In 
weakness, I am strong, Paul says. It's not me. And so the idea that Paul, being this short, bent over, crook-nosed, bow-legged, balding man, there's nothing wrong with losing your hair, by the way, balding man is not an oxymoron. In fact, he is a new paradigm, a new model for all of us to follow in that our strength does not come from what from me or what I can gather. My strength comes from no other place but Jesus Christ. This morning, we have a tremendous opportunity to witness firsthand people who have said, hey, listen, it's not me. Today, I'm going to be in a place of incredible strength because I am going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism. If you are prepared to be baptized, if you all have got your shirts on and stuff, I'm going to ask that you start making your way out over there. Jamie's going to get you all queued up. We're going to do this. Families, get your photos ready and all of that. There is something incredibly powerful when we finally decide that it's not my strength, but it is Jesus's strength that gives me the very power that I want. It's not how many points are score. It's not how many people I've knocked out. It's not my bank account. My strength, our strength, comes through Jesus. And Paul totally understood this. And it doesn't matter what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. And Paul fully understood that his limitations forced him to rely upon Jesus. It's okay to ask for our own thorns to be removed, but maybe, just maybe, what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, my grace is sufficient. I'm giving you this as a blessing so that you won't become arrogant and puffed up, but you will rely upon me. All of us have a next step today. All of us have a next step. There's some of us that have been in Christ Jesus for a long time. But yet there are still things in our life that we are putting and saying that this is where I find my strength. And they are worldly things that will be taken away. And if we put all of our eggs in that basket, I'm telling you that that pedestal at some point will collapse. And the fall is always later and it's always greater than what we expect. So if that is you, I'm asking you, are you trusting in yourself or are you trusting in Jesus? Second, there may be some of you that really have been trying to do everything in your own power and don't even realize that Jesus wants to infuse you with his power, God's power. God's power that is able to raise from the grave. God's power 
that takes lifeless things and breathes new life into them. If that is you this morning, I'm asking you to surrender. Surrender from a place of what you think is strength to a place of what you think is weakness. And here's the paradox. It takes incredible strength to say, I'm done. Matthew chapter five, verse three. No coincidence, the very first uh, documented wording that we have of Jesus Christ are these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you not realize when we come to the end of ourself and we come to the end of what we thought would give us strength? is the very thing that has made us the weakest. We come to the end of ourself and say, God, I need that power. I need that wisdom. And the promise that comes with that, when we empty ourselves, the promise that comes with this is very simple. Everything. The kingdom of heaven and everything that belongs in it is yours. If that's you today and you've been holding back, I'm gonna ask that you would go right outside those doors. There are gonna be decision counselors that are working with people that are gonna be baptized. They'd be more than happy to pray with you and to walk you through that process. And then to top it all off, you have an opportunity today to be baptized as well. Not only accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, but then to do your first act of submission to the Lordship of Jesus in that act of baptism. It is your faith that will save you. This is just an act of obedience. But I tell you what, there's something that God does there. And finally, there are some of you that have never been baptized. You've put on Jesus, but you have never submitted to this one act for whatever reason, because maybe you're thinking, if I do this, then I really got to go all in. And so you've been dabbling with one foot in the world and one foot out of the world. And guess what? It's time. It is time to go all in. And stop relying on your own strength and recognize that it is a point of weakness and rely on Jesus' strength. And that is a point of great power and strength. So if you would like to be baptized today, this invitation is for you as well. Again, you can go right out those doors and there are people there that are gonna walk you through this process. And you're gonna say, oh, well, hold on a second. I had to bring a change of clothes. (laughs) Oh, silly you, guess what we have? We got everything you need. We got to change your clothes, shorts, t-shirts. We've even got underwear. But my hair, it's okay. We got shower caps and we got towels. We even got hair dryers. But my family isn't here. That's okay. Because we're going to film all of this. We're going to record all of this. And you're going to be able to celebrate with your family and friends about what's going on. Fredericksburg. Pastor Caleb, I'm going to turn this over to you for your campus. I want you to celebrate Fredericksburg, what's about ready to happen. If you're ready to be baptized, you make your way and Caleb and and his staff there is going to make everything happen for you. But for us here at Stafford, what are you waiting for? 
What are you waiting for? Father God, I come to you and I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for what you have done for us. I'm so grateful that it's actually in our weakness that we find our strength. When we come to the end of ourselves, when we say, Lord, I got nothing, I got nothing. Everything I've done has brought me to this point. My life is a shambles. God, I need you, I need your strength because I can't do this anymore. And so God, I'm asking that you would move in the hearts of anyone that is hearing my voice, that you would move in them, that you would give them your courage and your strength to pick them up and to move them into their next direction, into their next step. And if the next step is in the waters of baptism, may that happen now. May all the excuses go away. But if they have not accepted you as Lord and Savior, may that happen as well. May they pray this, pray this simple prayer. Lord God, I am a sinner and I need you to be my savior. Today, I surrender all to you. Lord, enter me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. And may I rest in your strength. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.